Welcome to How Much for a Sleeve, a podcast about tattooing hosted by an actual tattooist, Lucy Richardson, and an actual knob, Mick Tickner. How are you doing, mate? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's been a, it's been another week, hasn't yeah, it? It has. God. And and you're you've got some good news from Boris. He's letting you back well, in. Potentially, he said. He's like dangling a carrot. He right. said the 12th of April, but I feel like we've been here before. Yeah. So, and I also feel like the rest of the nation feels like this. So, cause I've hardly had anybody email me to say, oh, can you put me back in? Whereas in previous lockdowns, people were straight on it. So I think the general consensus is, yeah, we'll believe it when I see it. So what do you count as? Do you count as like hairdressers and beauty stuff? Is that all April 12th? Yeah, this time we do. I think any personal care and non-essential shops, pretty much everything right? in like a sort of shop basis, I think. I haven't really looked. I've just avoided the news, to be honest. I, it depresses me. So best case scenario is you're back 12th, April the 12th. You've got, you got people in. They yeah. Get, they're going case. under. It's yeah, interesting. Everything crossed. It's interesting, though, because, um, uh, you know, you know where I live, you know, that shed thing where you put the bins. Yes. I've started an illegal tattoo parlor there called lockdown tattoos <laughs> and i i um i uh the first person i had to to actually get a tattoo was the prime minister boris johnson so uh, i recorded our conversation i was wondering if you do you want to hear it well i suppose so All right, i then. mean it's it's like a once in a lifetime thing i know surely. it's yeah, yeah so yeah so here it is hello Hello, I have come uh, to get uh, a tattoo, uh, okay? Yes, I really want to get something in common with the dreadful unfortunates that I have convinced would make better off and that there would be fewer foreigns in those awful post office queues. Uh, yeah, fine, mate. Um, what do you want? Well, I was thinking, how about this? How about fuck the poor written across my ample chest? but written back to front. Back to front, are you sure? Well, of course, because us, uh, longer vita, um, brevis, uh, uh, probably. Yeah, fine with me, mate, whatever. Any reason for this? Uh, because when I'm tired and I go to bed uh, too late and I get up too early and I'm stood in front of the mirror while I'm not combing my hair, I want to be reminded of the real reason why I got into all of this boring stuff in the first place. Yeah, fine, mate. Sounds good to me. Um, you ready? What do you reckon to that? Um, so, yeah. This week, we're chatting to Joe uh, Black. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, Joe came on. <laughs> we had... Um, we had a laugh, didn't we? To be honest, that was a that was a funny one, and that was more of a laugh than Boris, wasn't it? Just dropping your stuff everywhere as well, yeah. <laughs> just, um, just, just like I <laughs> taken aback by the Boris impression. To be yeah. honest, I'm just well, going to leave it. Fuck it. Right. Um, so we had sort of two guests on this. Yeah. Uh, yes, episode. we did. 
because yeah. we were also visited by the ghost of Magogin. So <laughs> look forward to that. I'm sure you've already seen it. It's been picked yeah, you... up by some ghost podcasts as well who have shared it to see if any of their uh, followers or listeners or whatever can um, can explain it. Um, we can't explain it. I'm fairly sure it's a bottle being dragged across a table or something similar, but you're fairly sure it's also the crying out of the undead. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We've tried to replicate it. And one of the podcasts that came that we spoke to, uh, Real Life Ghost Stories, yep. go check them out. They said, one of their comments that has stuck in my mind is, we have edited years of audio like this and we have never heard anything like that that is not the sound of a mic that is not an error in the audio they said that they were freaked freaked out about it and I oh my, I was so freaked out literally I've only listened to it once and um I can't listen to it again it freaked me out so much it does sound if it sounds like words it does sound like it's saying I know which in the scheme of what we were talking about is irrelevant it doesn't mean anything to the actual conversation we were having but it's a scary thing to say in it i know what do I you know, know? And it's like he's like i know yeah oh horrible yeah. sorry McGoggin. And, and it was weird as well because it's so loud and if you've seen the video none of us react to it but it's so loud so it must have like happened like not not i don't know it, it can't have happened yeah. while we were recording it it must be some some weirdness and that's it because it's so loud it's it's literally louder than us yeah it's like it's been said directly into the microphone so even if joe was or any of us were moving a glass like i've got a cut up here that's that's not mcgoggin yeah i just said it said that was that's a shit impression <laughs> <laughs> was he talking about me or boris uh, <laughs> um but yeah it is it is it is a bit freaky yeah, I'll give you that. It, yeah. it gave me the willies and I don't believe in any of it. So um, you say you don't believe, but you as soon as we'd finished recording and you were just listening back through to check the audio, you're the one who texted me and went, Oh my god, are you there? Like yeah. we've recorded McGoggin and you were shitting yourself as well. Yeah, part partly, partly ironically, but because there's there's literally never been any evidence for ghosts ever. Not even once. And there's literally hundreds of things that it could have been that are more likely than it being the the verbalization of the of, of a of a dead person in the spirit <laughs> realm so but the timing i mean that could have happened at any stage in in our chat with joe and the bit where she was talking about having had something happen in her haunted house and then that then that to appear on the audio it's just it's to me cool. it's too much of a coincidence but it is just a coincidence though i'm glad we've agreed <laughs> Shall... well listeners we'll leave it to you to decide yeah. who's See what right. you think. <laughs> yeah who is right remember who's more likely to cause you pain me Perfect. and and mick is 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 not <laughs> fair point shall we shall we get on with it we haven't got anything else to do oh Thank you again, actually. Thank you, everyone, for for your follows and your shares and your ni- nice comments. It really is. It really is very special. We we love you very much for it. Yeah, and the eleven people who've left us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank eleven, you to now, all eleven that. of you. <laughs> that is class. Thank you so much. I tell you what, we have done this week. Well, 
we have um secured some really awesome guests which we're very excited about yeah most of the time I have to say to Mick like oh my god I've you know I've got so-and-so and and then I go they're really big <laughs> <laughs> and I go is okay think of like the most famous cricketer yes that's it so next next week we're chatting to Bob Terrell uh which is pretty mega for me awesome um who else have we got lined up um Rebecca Vincent and Clark Tattoos, Emily Malice, Freddie fucking Negretti has said he'll do an episode. That's exciting. So yeah, lots of fun coming up. Lots of fun. And maybe lots Boris. Of, lots of excitement. So maybe not Boris again, given your reaction, but we'll um, <laughs> we'll, see we'll, who, we'll see who else we'll see who else drops into lockdown tattoo studios. You don't know. <laughs> Could be anyone. McGoggin. <laughs> you need to wash your hands. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> Let's get on with the next episode. Thanks again for listening. Tell your friends if you think they'll be up for it. This is How Much for a Sleeve, episode three with Miss Joe Black. Miss Joe Black from Black Moon Tattoos. How are you? Lucy. I'm very well, Mick. Thank you. I was just distracted there by Lucy's little yeah. um, uh, blowjob action to the it's, screen. It is incredibly unprofessional, isn't it? And it's literally every <laughs> single thing. I was doing, I was just having a drink. Right. Okay. You were just mimicking. Wait, this is going to be an upcast. Is- yeah, yeah again. but it's not even that it's <laughs> nice not even pop. that it's that it's knobcast. It's for as long as I've known you, you've gone out of your way to jeopardize everything that anyone is doing <laughs> in any in any situation so i don't know why i'm surprised anyway back to our guest How you doing? hi me yes over here <laughs> welcome thank, thank you, you very you much, so for... much. no you're here. welcome thank thanks thanks for coming on so uh how are you finding lockdown what have you been up to over the last year Oh, yeah, it is almost a year now, isn't it? It's kind of scary. Um, well, the, to be honest, the first lockdown, I feel like I breezed it. I, like, absolutely smashed that one. I had a proper routine going. I was mm-hmm. getting up on time, doing a workout, taking the dogs out for a walk, getting some drawing done. And then, you know, this time it's just been a bit different and I've kind of taken it as, like, a time to just not worry so much and just get on with having a bit of me time, really. Yeah, it um, seems to be a bit of a, you know, a similar answer we're getting... For, for, yeah. from other people it's that there was and we said that exciting is the wrong word but there was something in lockdown one where there was a real we're all in this together let's let's help and let's do what we can for and now it's just like oh we're just it's groundhog day again isn't it Get up, yeah massively massively i think the first time everyone was super prepared to have projects and yeah uh you know get involved in stuff but this time everyone's like actually i just want to get back to work and get back to normal life yeah, so you, I've noticed you've got some pretty smart things that you're you're doing on your Insta. Uh, the, <laughs> the 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 I don't know what the word is. Gothified a word? It is now the gothi- that's, I, that's a word that I made up, but yeah, it's a there word, you go. Yeah. Good. The, 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 <laughs> the gothified uh, little headshots that you've done of of famous people, they're really smart. Are you? Thank you. I've already said we're completely shameless on this. Like. I'm very lucky that I've still been able to work, but I know you lot haven't. So plug oh. away if you've got shit to sell tell us where people can get it yeah absolutely i mean i i sell everything through big cartel um but it's linked to a site called uh, printful as well so uh, printful is a company that you can get your stuff printed on like on demand 
So I don't have anything to do with that. But the prints that I make, they come directly from me printed locally. Um, and that is, I think it's just Big Cartel. No, Miss Joe Black dot big cartel dot com get on it because they look really really smart i'm very impressed i love the uh amber one because everyone loves that oh one, thanks he's a, he's <laughs> that was my a, favorite one to do actually he's such a babe yeah. he's got um, such a good face so t- tell us uh just a little bit of insight to people who uh may not know your work uh just tell us a little bit about how you got into tattooing in the first place Yes, well, it was uh, it was a very long time ago now. It was about 13 years ago, I think, when I first sort of picked up a machine. Um, it was actually an ex-boyfriend of mine who was quite heavily tattooed, and I had, had a fair few myself. But at that time, I don't think I even knew of a single female tattoo artist that was, right. uh, you know, local that I could have got tattooed by. So everyone I'd been tattooed by was a man. I hadn't even really thought that me doing it was an option. Um, and it was this ex-boyfriend said to me, oh, my tattoo artist is a, a woman. Do you want to come and meet her? Um, so I went and met her, got chatting to her, and she looked at some of my art and sort of said, yeah, you've, you've, you've got what it takes. Do you want to come and work a couple of days a week in, in my shop with me? Um, and then quite quickly from there, I decided to open my own studio because I came into a, like a small amount of money right. um, and opened that in November 2010, I think it was. So just over 10 years I've had the shop now. Cool. So you 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 mentioned there that you 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 did art. Was so were you was that a, a thing you were doing? Was it fine art at college, or was it just doodling? And you you had a portfolio because you'd been scribbling around for time. I did um, after GCSE. I went on to do a foundation degree in art and design, and then I went on to do graphics and illustration at university after that. So yes, but more I think more so just a love a general love of art is kind of what got me into tattooing more than. Um, actual art training so to speak because it it seems to come a lot because I've always sort of naively assumed that it's you obviously have to be able to draw uh, obviously but there does seem to be a lot of people that come through from a either a fine art or an illustration background so there is a classical training in the skill of drawing is super important that I probably just thought people who are into that some of them go into tattooing but I would have thought it does seem to be a, a recurring theme which I think is really really interesting because there's stuff that I've got no idea about like the color theory and and all of that sort of stuff that you know I might be able to draw and not just doodle knobs like Lucy does all the time you know but actually being able to to be you know even like the cartoons that I see people drawing they don't have they don't have that background so I think that's 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 really interesting so you you got a shop fairly early on in your in your career or, or should we say compared to most people you you went straight in with your own shop yeah I think a lot of the reason for that was um I had a friend at the time that was a piercer and she was wanting to open a piercing shop um and she kind of just said do you want to get on board with this and open as a tattoo and piercing shop um I think if that hadn't have occurred I probably would have waited a lot longer uh and I definitely got a bit of backlash from some of the, the older folk in the industry for opening up when I did but I'm so bloody glad I did because you know, 10 years down the line, it's still going strong. Um, Sorry to put in there. In what way would you get backlash? Backlash from local tattooists? Yeah, local and, you know, and a bit online, although we didn't have, back then we didn't have Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, a bit on Facebook, that kind of stuff. A bit of just chatter behind the scenes. You'd, you'd hear like, oh, so-and-so said that, well, she's only been tattooing a year or whatever. She shouldn't have her own shop, that kind of attitude. Do you think that comes a little bit from um, things and get a little bit stale? 
but people get threatened don't they especially yeah. do you think that like older tattooists or tattooists that were in your local town were threatened because you were female because back then it was a lot more well rarer for there to be female tattooists yeah I think there was part of that um you know I don't want to I don't want to sort of say too much that it's because I was a woman because I, I hate sort of falling back on that as an excuse for uh you know why certain things did or didn't happen in my career but yeah I do think to an extent the only other shop in Froome at the time was run by a guy that had had it 20 odd years already and was very much uh old school uh not trad tattoos but like you know black and gray horror stuff and there was a big yeah. group of younger people a lot of girls as well in Froome who wanted cool more feminine more intricate tattoos so I think I just clicked into that um that little niche that was empty like there was a gap in the market that you filled rather than you were taking taking away from the existing and I think he realized quite quickly as well that I wasn't I wasn't trying to steal his custom uh that I was just there to do my own thing and people would come to me if they wanted to and go to him if they wanted to and we learned to to get along that's how it always be won't it if somebody wants to go down the road the cheaper shop they'll go there or if they want to travel 500 miles they will which is which is nice. Um, how has your style evolved since you first started out to where you are now, gothified? <laughs> yeah, it's very different. <laughs> it's, um, you know, when Time Hop comes up on your Facebook and it, it shows a picture and it says, uh, here's a tattoo you did eight years ago or something. You probably get that as well, don't you? But uh, yeah. my God, sometimes I look at them and I'm like, did I do that? Was that actually me? Because it's such a world apart from the way I tattoo now, um, but you can see where the seeds of my my like current style were being sown, um, and I think also like you sort of touched on, there wasn't a lot of female tattoo artists back then, and there wasn't really a lot of people doing just feminine tattoos in general. So that's what I've always tried to do is just do things that are slightly more on the the delicate fem- feminine side. With a goth edge, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, I was lucky enough that I was doing that fairly early on and uh, it, it worked in my favour, luckily. Yeah, and I love your stuff now. I absolutely love it. Uh, and, uh, one of my favourite tattoos is the spider that you did on my neck. Yeah. And, um, that I, <laughs> it was absolute hell. And yeah, we didn't have fun with you. It was not fun. I took diazepam. I sat there chewing wine gums, which probably wasn't the best because it was doing my neck. And then everyone was like, oh, it looks like it hurts. I was like, I just want to die. <laughs> was you that on my through. first trip or my second? I think like that's just about. First, yeah. First, I think, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, that was my second. Because that night, which I'm going to come on to later, I slept in your haunted bedroom and I had a really crap night's sleep. Yeah. No, my my first trip, <laughs> sorry yeah we are we're coming back <laughs> no, let's, while we're there let's get onto it let's not leave people hanging what's this well, Who, who's haunted so it's so goth that she moved into a haunted house did you know it was haunted not on purpose. oh right no. okay i thought i thought you'd like you'd, you'd been on right move and like must have parking must have yeah must, must have I, uh, not that. I would check it <laughs> must must have <laughs> trapped ghouls in the house so go on. So then. I so, stayed, yeah, I stayed 
his house and yeah as I said she tattooed my neck and I slept in her spare room and I had just the worst night's sleep I was like my neck was weeping all over her linen and I kept nice. waking up and needing I must have got up to pee about five times and every time like the bedroom was along a hallway from the bathroom and I would run along and sit there and go oh my god this is like, like and then in the morning this is when Joe's ex-husband uh, was there sorry Joe we can <laughs> come back right um, and he said oh how was your sleep and I was like well you know it wasn't the best and he was like yeah this hallway is where my daughter saw like a hooded figure walk along and I was like great and then when we went into the shop I said oh Joe's house is haunted apparently and I think it was Jodie was like which room did you put her in the haunted one and you were like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so did you know any yeah. of the, the background of it is it is it well it's um exciting? the house itself is 1620 so it's it's bloody ancient um yeah there's like these bits of wood that um are covered in they call them witch markings so they used to, to put them above entrances fireplaces um hallway, uh, doors windows to stop evil spirits getting into the house basically um and so they're still all around the house which is kind of cool a little bit of the history um i don't really i don't know much about it it's mid terrace so it wouldn't have been anything other than a house i wouldn't have imagined but the back is an extension um and then the middle floor is definitely the <laughs> the energy floor yeah. i suppose if I it's with with things <laughs> like haunted houses if they're that old if you look back long enough you'll find something absolutely appalling that happened there like oh, even, yeah. even something like oh um yeah in 1850 there was a, a baby was stillborn and then yeah. and then suddenly you you apply that the creaky floorboard is probably uh a, a the ghost of a grieving mother walking around and you you can you, there'll be something you could link up to to everything so yeah. this is pr it's probably not that bad mate it's probably more your neck i would have thought <laughs> I, I think know, it's that, just, it just didn't like Lucy. <laughs> thought she seemed like a bit of a yes. flat, so winding her up. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> like, why, how big is her bladder? Why does she keep waking up and disturbing me? How many times has <laughs> one got to piss? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. oh, but you know, it's also, you know, it's got a name because um, my uh, ex's daughter uh, came downstairs one day and said, um, uh, McGoggin, McGoggin was out last night. And we oh. were like, Who? Yeah. She how said, McGoggin. Is this child? When, when she must have been about four or five. At oh, the time. that's now nah, because that's, that's not you can't make that up. That's yeah, that's a weird name to come up it? with. Yeah, and she told me that he was a bully and that he lived in the airing cupboard in my room. Fucking hell, <laughs> wow, that's mad, isn't it? My, my, yeah. I've, got, I've got a nephew who's three, and my brother's bedroom uh backs onto next door's bedroom. and so you can hear next door talking and he said to my, my my nephew said to my brother the invisible ones are speaking and my brother oh. went why were they, what do you mean That's... who are they and he said they're the ones that live in the walls and oh my a, god the three-year-old so I'm, I'm fairly sure that i've seen that film as like a you know four out of ten netflix straight oh, definitely, to, straight to, yeah. I've, I've, the invisibles in the walls yeah it's <laughs> and like obviously you can explain that away but i'm not sure i can explain mcgoggin and that's why you shouldn't look on anything because you'll find that there was a bad man called mcgoggin that used to live there and he ate cats or something i have i have tried googling it um but i can't find anything specifically related to someone called mcgoggin so i'm quite relieved about that have you had anything 
have you had anything happen like isn't there something to do with your toilet door I remember you saying oh mate you're gonna make me tell that story Jesus yes <laughs> yes <All> I right. am <laughs> so yeah so basically I went down to use the loo in the middle of the night and I had I had the runs I'm gonna just be mm. completely honest about it because there's nothing else I can really I can't lie I had the you're runs, listening to so Mick I and went... Lucy on the poo pod <laughs> sorry go the on pod. the poo and knob pod um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, I was downstairs and I heard the door, bathroom door was closed, but not like properly pulled closed. I heard a proper like three knocks on the bathroom door. So I went, Lee, to my ex, and I didn't hear anything back. And I was like, Lee, nothing came back. So I went, I'm all right, I'll be up in a minute. And the door just swung like four or five inches just by itself, just opened. Nope. So if I hadn't have already been shitting my pants, I <laughs> then shat my pants, legged it upstairs and the ex-husband was just fast asleep in bed. And I woke him up and was like, oh my God, I was properly freaked out by it. But now I just chat to it. Like if I go, get, go down to the loo in the night, I'll just have a chat and be like, you're right, everything okay? <laughs> it's oh my fine. God. So I suppose it feeds, is- yeah, they feed off your fear. So if you go, morning, he goes, oh. Yeah, oh, oh she's in a chatty mood. <laughs> just slinks back into the cupboard and stays there <laughs> waiting for someone to, to freak. It um, definitely fed off my fear when I was there. Oh, yeah, I think I think that's the thing, isn't it? But, yeah, I mean, not to go too much into the ghosty topic, because obviously this is not really a ghost podcast, but I'm not actually convinced I believe in ghosts. I think I believe in the idea that old stones can kind of record memories more than anything. So if you've heard that theory, if, if these, kind of hold if, an energy. If the walls could talk, if these walls could speak, that sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think that's more what I think. So, you know, I'm not, it doesn't worry me. It's just something that's, yeah. that happens in the house. I sort of think that I'd quite be, yeah. I'd, I'd be up for it. Like I'd quite like my house to be haunted and I'd have a go at it, but then I'd yeah. probably just be making it up because I want it to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'd be I'd be finding things and it'd just be my cat falling out of bed or something. Oh yeah, well quite often my- I mistake the dogs making noises for some ghostly goings on. <laughs> my so- mum is quite tuned and has had lots of lived in lots of houses that have been haunted and um for a while like I live where I live now. I've lived here for like nine years or something. But I used to move around quite a lot and I'd always take my mum to houses before I agreed to rent them to say, like, can you just come with me? Does it does it feel okay? <laughs> She'd get a vibe from it. Yeah. Um, yeah, straight away, straight away. But you know, I think we've all had it. Like we me and Grant, my boyfriend, we were at a wedding um a couple of years ago and we went to a hotel and we got there at about eleven o'clock at night. And as soon as I walked in, I was like, Oh, I don't want to stay here. And it literally really? the hall like the shining and it was just I had another night like I had at your night at your house and in the end I hated it so much we were meant to stay for two nights and I was like I refuse to sleep here one more night that is it <laughs> such a diva well, I know but he's he humored me so much he humors me daily bless his heart but it, um he did let us go <laughs> do you think that the shop's haunted because that's a really old building on an old street as well isn't it Oh, do you know, Kerry and Amy quite often have like slightly weird ghostly experiences in there. The only thing that I've, because that's 1721, I think, that building. And it used to be, before we had it, it was a beautician's. Before that, it was a bakery. But before that, it was a pub and a brothel. So in in my mind, I'm like, yeah, some fucking 
weird dark shit probably went down here. Um, but yeah, all I've ever really experienced in that is um, footsteps coming down the staircase because it's like a two level studio. So if you're on the, the bottom floor, which is technically the middle floor because there's a floor below us, you can quite often hear as if someone's coming down our stairs, but you could explain that away by it potentially being next door or something. Um, or the only other experiences I've had in there have been me playing pranks on the others to try and get them to think that there's a ghost in the shop. And so there's there's something that's just come up a lot in uh, in the and you are you are only number three, so um but there's something that's come up in in the first two about how fun and how great guest spots are for Oh, yeah. uh, getting out there and getting the stuff you do to a wider audience and all that sort of good stuff. So uh, Lucy, I believe, was your was uh, sorry, rather, your shop was Lucy's first ever guest spot. Is that correct? Yeah, I think it was, wasn't it, Luce? That was first ever. And I didn't so, tell so, you. It was so how and then we that... were in the pub and I was like, that's my first said, guest this spot. Is... <laughs> So how did that come about? Who, who approached who and, and how long was Lucy in your company before she started drawing cocks all over your stuff? Oh, not long. I'm sure that happened. I, I think before she even got in the front door, I had a cock on my face. Um, <laughs> Lucy is probably better positioned to answer it because my memory is terrible in general. Um, but from my memory, I think we were friends on Instagram. We were probably giving each other a lot of bum love here and there. Um, and I suspect so I said I'd love to come and love you to come and do a guest spot with me. And she went, "Fuck yeah, you're the coolest person I've ever met in my life." So I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> and that's history, actually. And we've been yeah, inseparable I've been... since. Oh, <laughs> um, awesome! I had been Instagram for so long, and then you put a post out saying, "Does anybody want to come and guest?" And I went, "Oh." please may I come and you were like yeah of course babe and I was like oh my god this is terrifying and really like looking back I probably should have done my first guest spot with somebody I knew but that was isn't it was so long ago now I probably didn't really know that many people apart from on, on the gram I think um, I've popped a lot of people's first guest spot cherries and they always say it's a really good studio to guest in first because we're all very chilled and very welcoming um, and actually we're all really goofy and uh, there's no there's no ego or like pretense That's, so. no, no dramas yeah. no there drama. was no oh, no drama and it was it was like I'd been there a hundred times before and I was just doing a normal day it was great yeah that's what we it want was like, and Froome's such a lush little town as well it's like really cool pubs and I was I think it was the first time we went to the pub and you had Brittany one of your dogs who has a who's got a wheat intolerance and yeah. and that's <laughs> that wheat intolerance she pooed in the pub yes yeah you're right yeah she had just had a dodgy tummy didn't she and she just went for it which is so not like her she's normally so good this this is the poo pod this it is, is the, the poo pod. pod i feel like we've talked about poo way more than tattoo which is sort of in my wheelhouse <laughs> so i'm not even yeah. mad. i mean i think i probably know more about poo than i know about tattoos so <laughs> so going back to tattoos so how many people are working your shop? How many people are in Black Moon? So the six artists, there's myself, um, and then my longest running um, regular artist is Jodie Young. She does colour realism. Then we've got Kerry Clement, who does kind of cutesy, girly trad stuff. 
then Amy Whiting, who does black work, very, very dark, gothy, illustrative black work. Um, then, so that's the girls floor. And we haven't done this on purpose, although we like to pretend we have. So <laughs> there's four girls on, on the bottom floor. It's all on purpose. Oh yeah, yeah. We just have to say it's not because of sexism stuff. Um, we don't want the boys to feel left out. Uh, and then upstairs we've got Jim Wilding. Um, he does black and gray realism. And we've got Louis, who's kind of just out of his apprenticeship just before we went to lockdown. Um, and he does really cool kind of neo trad stuff. And then we've got a shop manager called Joan. That gets confusing, but um, she's fantastic. And she's just changed the way the shop runs, which is great. And it's taken a lot of pressure off of me as well. So yeah, seven your dog snoring? Yeah, I think we can hear your dog snoring. It's not a problem. Do not wake <laughs> the beast. But I do, I do. Oh, look at that. Oh, I do, I do wonder if, if that could be the ghost. It could be. If it gets too loud, because it does get very loud. If it gets too much, tell me and I'll put him on the other sofa. That's fine. We'll just we'll just put something on it that says there's a dog snoring in the background of this. Don't be a don't be a knob. It's not Joe farting yeah. repeatedly. Yeah. Although it is the poo pot. It is the poo pot. Um, that better be the title of this episode. Poor, you... oh, so help me. <laughs> have you got an apprentice at the moment? Because I know you've had like because Joe was Jody your apprentice and, and Amy was your apprentice at one point as well, were they? Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm probably hold the title for having had the most apprentices in the history of tattooing <laughs> ever. Um yeah, and a lot of a lot of the, the apprentices I've got have gone on to have 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 had have gone on to have really great careers and I'm super proud of them. Um but yeah, Mer uh, oh. Mary was my most recent apprentice before. Uh then it was Jody and Amy. And they kind of crossed over. So I kind of had Jodie and Amy apprenticing at the same time, uh, which was interesting. But it was good because I got to kind of pit them off of each other and make them have like apprentice wars. <laughs> um, and I think it made them more hungry for it, you know, if they had to fight against each other a bit for it. Um, but I definitely don't do sort of traditional apprenticeships. It's very soft and motherly rather than... Um, you know, or pranks. And... Just on that, from from someone who doesn't understand how it works, what what would a traditional apprenticeship be as opposed to uh, to the one you do? What 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 makes them different? Well, back in back in the day, um, they were very very hard graft, and sometimes they still are. And the the point of that really is that whoever's teaching you is giving you a career for life. So it traditionally the the industry sort of believed that if someone's giving you a career for life you have to dedicate a certain period of time of your life entirely to serving that person so um you know apprenticeships have ranged from two years to 15 years you know some people have gone through wow, I, I apprenticeship. wow. yeah I, I mean quite a lot in japan and places like that where you know the the, the real traditional japanese tattooing um the apprenticeships are you know, really, really very long and very, very concentrated. Um, but here, traditionally, maybe two or three years is probably about average for an apprenticeship. And that that apprenticeship, that so that's obviously learning the the trade and learning skills and learning the way things, hygiene, all and of the, the way, yeah, exactly how it works. But it also there's also a level of I, I hesitate to use the word admin, but it's the yeah. like the preparation of areas they they do the dog's body they do they do that sort of stuff around the place they do well, almost right? everything for everybody in in the studio and they they often aren't thanked for it either you know it's a very thankless job 
But yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of the time it's get in at eight o'clock, get in at 7 a.m., have everything ready and set up for every artist in the studio, you know, literally down to scrubbing the skirting boards with a yeah. toothbrush or sometimes even like go and clean my car. You know, the, the, the artist will say to the apprentice, go and take my car and get it cleaned. I know that Kerry that works for me, she used to have to go and do the food shopping for her boss. She'd have to go and pick up drugs and shit. Like, you, not, you know, it, could, it can be pretty not... dark. Yeah, that's not really the game, is it? And that's I think that's just for me, no. And but I think in, in any in any industry, that's just not the done thing. I mean, even if you're a plumber and you're an apprentice and your pranks that might get played on you on site, you know, you, yeah. you, you don't have to do that sort of shit, do you? Like, you know, I, I don't know why tattooing is is any different. And is that I suppose the question is, is that regular or is that just a couple of things that you've heard of or is, is that something you hear? No, no, this this is pretty standard for back in the day. But then you also have to remember that a lot of the tattoo industry was largely controlled by men, largely yeah. controlled by bike gangs. Um, right. And yeah. also, you know, there's a lot of this kind of sailors, prostitutes, prisoners uh, as, a, as a kind of industry as a whole. And you know it's difficult to say this without sort of sounding like I'm saying oh you know all old school tattooers are yeah. pricks because they treat their apprentices this way and that's I don't believe that at all because I've met some absolutely incredible you know lifelong tattoo artists but um yeah there definitely was this um and and still is to an extent this kind of attitude of you will do what I say otherwise you're not going to get Accredit well, there's no accreditation but you're not going to pass your apprenticeship you know mm. um even down to I've heard of like guys getting kicked in the balls repeatedly uh, you know as like a well if you can't take it's like hazing isn't it that kind yeah, of yeah it's, it's bullying isn't it i mean i i listen to and this lucy don't get cross this is not becoming the sports pod but i listen to a lot of podcasts <laughs> about football and there's there's sports. one in <laughs> sports there's uh one in particular called under the cosh where they talk to people who were footballers in the 80s and 90s uh, and it was sort of that crossover period of where there were you, you start off and you get 15 quid a week at the start of their career but the, at the end of their career they're earning you know ten thousand pounds a week and there's a rhythm that all of them say is that that apprenticeship that they went through as young lads where they it was like a sink or swim environment and it was basically bullying mm. by yeah. uh, by adult men bullying these kids and if you if you can't hack it then you ain't gonna be you ain't gonna be a footballer you've got you know it's not just about being good with the with the ball at your feet you've got to have this mentality to do it and if you're not you're you're you're, you're somehow weak and I wonder if if just similar age of people that I think yeah. we're talking about now I wonder if is that just because it's because that's now out there is that something that people know about whereas that was probably the same in every apprenticeship yeah I'm sure it is to an extent yeah it's I mean I think the thing with tattooing is that I'm sure Lucy will agree it's it is fucking hard work it is so strenuous mentally and physically yeah um and I think particularly the mental side of it this whole thing of like hazing in apprenticeships I think a lot of that stems from the idea that if you can't handle being treated this way in your apprenticeship there's no fucking way you're going to be able to handle being a tattoo artist um, you know, and I don't necessarily, I'm not saying I agree with that, but I understand where it's come from because it is hard. And, you know, when I first started tattooing, those days that, because I didn't really have a traditional apprenticeship, I just kind of jumped in and, and learned on the job sort of thing. Um, but there's, there was days where I would go home and just cry because I was so upset about something I'd done or something someone had said to me, or you have to really 
build this like hard ish exterior <laughs> to be able to deal with it because it is stressful and there's a lot of emotion as well particularly from um customers you know you you become a bit of a therapist for your customers well, I suppose um, you if, if, if you're talking to or you're sat with people for you know three hours six seven time, hours a day yeah. yeah you get that you do get that it's, it's a little bit more than the hairdressers where you're going on your holiday type conversation yeah and so. also it's you know it's often multiple sessions in yeah, inside yeah. of a couple of months you know so you might talk to someone about their divorce that they're going through over six hours in a day session and then they'll come back six weeks later for the next six hour session and you know their divorce has gone through and they're in a different place in their life and you get yeah. to learn I've made so many like lifelong friends that started out as customers um that's cool there's a thing that we, yeah. we, we spoke about briefly with Lou Hopper back in in episode one about oh, how, Lou. how people her. are she's great oh. isn't she? with Instagram you now have a an almost everyday connection with with people that you may have only spent one hour with doing a very small tattoo and suddenly they're yeah. your you're their friend but you've and I'd, I'd not forgotten but that day you've done it it, it it started off when we were talking about this thing that I, I'd actually picked up on because I actually found it funny and I sort of realized after talking to tattooists that it actually isn't that funny uh, where <laughs> where people get cross with you for not, for not sharing their their the tattoo that you their did work. on them on yeah. Instagram uh, yeah, yeah, and that, that, that now that you because you have to you have to put yourself out there that, uh, otherwise you don't get you know you, you say hey I'm me look, look at the cool tattoos I've done so that people come and get more cool tattoos from you yeah yeah also, that well, opens that's, up an that's avenue it, of know? conversation that m- might not necessarily be healthy yeah and I mean I, I like I always have the intention of posting every tattoo I do but a lot of the time it depends on the, the lighting on the mm. day on the photo exactly you've taken what, exactly what she is said. it worth posting that because you know like I hate to say it, but a lot of the time it's other tattooists looking at your work as well. Yeah. And they might look at it and go, that's a crap photo. Oh, I would never have posted that. <laughs> so it's not how much you like the, the tattoo or, um, you know, the, the artwork or the subject matter. It's nothing to do with that. It's almost always just a case of I took a shit photo. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want that to be represented in my, my portfolio. Yeah. I actually made a separate Instagram page just for, like almost like the best of the best and that comes down to the photos i've taken um, <laughs> so, so it's, the, it's the quality of the photo rather than the the, the, the quality of the work the, the yeah, quality of the I work mean, sometimes, is don't get me wrong sometimes the quality of the tattoo you've done isn't up to the scratch that you want it to be because right, okay. the skin isn't great or because they've wriggled around a lot through the tattoo or because it's just not something you're that into like the style of doing it or it's something that you've like you've moved away a little bit from your comfort zone um but you know often I'll post things and say this is this isn't normally what I would do at all but I really enjoyed doing it because it's pushed me out of my comfort zone and it's got me to try something different um but yeah I just I want people to know that if we don't post a picture of the tattoo we've done on them that day or we might just have taken a crap picture and when you come in and we get a healed one that's when it will go up you know yeah and I try and say that now like if I don't post it's because it's I've really struggled to get a good picture or you're really swollen so it's distorting it so I'm going to get a healed one because I know I'll see you again sometimes it just doesn't stop bleeding and no matter what you do Mm. it's still coming through and the whites are going pink and or it's shiny you know that like awful shine where you've you've wiped it and it's got that sort of glisten on it you know and there's there's little goosebumps as well that I always get on mine yeah it just, especially yeah. on men, there's a hairy goosebump. It looks like you've everything. Doesn't matter what body part, it looks like you've tattooed an ass. 
yeah and some, <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah and I've seen, like picking skin yeah that's it I've been in shops where tattooists have like wrapped them up the customer up and said right go away for half an hour and come back and get a, I'll get a photo sometimes I just think this person just really wants to go they've been here all day or they even if they've been here for a couple yeah. of hours so yeah they're feeling shaky want to make them wait around for another half an hour where really they just need to go well, and get a McDonald's. We're, we're quite lucky in our studio in that um we've got a really nice waiting area you've been there Lucy you know it like we've got a lovely kind of living room vibes waiting area so quite often I'll wrap my customer up pop them in the waiting area they can you know sit the coat on watch a bit of telly have a cup of tea the shop manager will always make them a cup of tea they can pop out and get very quickly there's restaurant uh, cafes and shops nearby they can pop out and grab a sandwich or something they're always happy to hang about for 20 minutes half an hour while it sells but sometimes that sadly even that isn't long enough and you know you unwrap it and you're like sorry I've made you wait for nothing it's still really red and hungry because <laughs> everything is different as well and everyone reacts differently to the tattoo yeah. process it's so it's so hard to know until you try it so we put out on Instagram just asking if anybody had any questions for you, like we've, we've been doing. And um, Teddy Pokes underscore, I believe, said, what are your thoughts on self-taught tattooists? Oh, well, I'm self-taught, really. So I'm, I'm all for it as long as you're doing it the right way. I think the problem is that um, it's such a touchy subject and like I can't just go, yeah, go ahead and teach yourself because I don't, that's yeah. not what I believe at all. But I, I started tattooing my own thighs, basically. I never touched another human being um, until I was like really, really comfortable tattooing my own thighs. And then obviously, like I said, I started working for Kelly um, and she kind of, she started giving me like all the football badges and the shit she didn't want to do, <laughs> which are actually bloody hard to do. So yeah. They yeah. Got... <laughs> and also that they're quite intricate, some of them. And yeah, you can't, it's yeah. Not, it's not something and that you can just... And I hate oh, to say it, but they're also often on, like, older guys that have pretty yeah. shit skin. <laughs> it's also it's not <laughs> something that you can just cut a corner on because it's their life. Their football team yeah. is their, is exactly. their best mate it's as well. It's their whole fucking... It's their whole life, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, technically I am self-taught because I I did... And I'd, I'd fully admit, and I've said this in, in magazine interviews and stuff as well, I fully admit it's not the right way to do it. And I wouldn't, like, you know, go around shouting saying, teach yourself. However, it is fucking hard to get an apprenticeship. Um, Can I just butt in there? Because okay. I think there's something I'm, I'm missing. So possibly the, the, the listeners are too. When we say self-taught, do we mean people who, who don't have that traditional apprenticeship where you sit next to someone, do all of that, you just go straight into, you, you buy a machine, yeah. you do it on yeah. yourself or your mates, get good, and then you become yeah. a tattooist rather than sitting next to a, 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 a professional Having skilled a artist. Mental. Ha yeah. Not having a mentor, yeah. correct? Right. Okay. Yeah, okay, having a mentor. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's interesting actually because for a long time I didn't want to admit to that not having had like a proper solid apprenticeship. I really didn't want people to know that I'd taught myself. But the more I talked to people, the more other, particularly old school tattoo artists, said, "Do you know what? Actually, I did too." Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, more and more people came forward and said, "Actually, yeah, I pretty much taught myself too." You know. I was doing an apprenticeship, but actually I bought myself a machine on the side and just started tattooing my legs and stuff at home. Like I, I would never condone tattooing actual human beings from yeah. your filthy house. Like that's not you a good get, idea. You can do it on yourself. That's fine. <laughs> but that doing yourself, thing. cause yourself a horrible infection. Great. Go for yeah. it. Because <laughs> that is a side oh, of it that's 
important in a tattoo shop is all the hygiene and somebody mm. anybody could just buy a machine off ebay but has no idea about the problems that the health issues that you can cause and the damage you can do to somebody i mean yeah it, well even disposal of, of you know clinical waste and stuff as well like you know you can't just chuck that in regular rubbish that's got to go in that's got to be incinerated mm. and stuff so yeah but i don't know even it's a touchy subject but i'm i'm proud to say i'm self-taught and i think actually it gave me an edge on other people around me at the time because I wasn't learning someone else's tricks and I literally just had to force myself to learn how to do stuff I'd see something on a picture of something and go I wonder how they've done that I'll try that on my next, <laughs> my next customer <laughs> so all my customers were guinea pigs for the first couple of years really oh I think yeah all of us our first customers are guinea pigs I think <laughs> but that's yeah. like um the grant he he's self-taught but his dad tattooed in the 70s so when grant was like i want to have a go at this he just um he got all his dad's old machines down from the loft and that was when like the grips were made out of old pipes and his dad had made all these machines himself and he had all this crude flash like dicks coming out of eggs and uh <laughs> nuns and robots in a romantic tryst and stuff like that and he just started tattooing his legs and i get this like Grant tattooed most of his for his left forearm and his entire lower leg, like the back of his own calf. How the fuck? How I've got <laughs> mates that have done like portraits on the back of their own legs and stuff, and I'm like, that's insane. I I struggled to do my own like lower inner calf. Like I've got <laughs> a brilliant one that I put the stencil on when my leg was bent, and then I obviously when I've tattooed it, my leg right. was bent, and then when I straightened it out, the whole skull just goes like that. <laughs> Lucy, do you remember? So do you remember the, the first tattoo you ever did on me? Was that the Was that the portrait? Oh no, no, no that was the Frank Turner one. Oh god, I it's, caused you so much pain. Grant a, introduced me to power lining that day. Yeah. Oh, oh so, yes. Uh, it's <laughs> a favorite. it's the outline of a guitar where some fairly simple. It's a really simple like it's a doodle of a guitar rather than a, the, 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 an actual guitar. But there's some there's some birds flying with the guitar strings to to like connect them to the to the headstock, um. So part of it, some goes, of those, <laughs> yeah, some of those, those lines, lines like an inch thick. <laughs> but part part of it went across my shin, so it took ages as Ooh, well. Oh, blowout city. Yeah, so she, so so those lines. and I've 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 been. It's basically she's tattooed my shin, and then she's and the just bone. yeah, and then she's gone over it about an hour and a half later. Oh, oh you night. bitch! You and I was going, I, and I was I, with like I'm, a nine round shader or something like that as well. Because Grant was like, "You can thicken them up. Here you go. Use a shader." <laughs> but, so, 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 I remember when I showed you it, and you went. So, so when I came back, and obviously, you know, like we're, we're mates, so it was like I was I was well up for being, like you said earlier, being your guinea, guinea pig. pig. I'd, like, yeah. I, I, and it, it, oh my I, god, I, yeah, I had friends lined up around the block to be guinea pigs for free tattoos. But, well, it, but it was I, I already had lots of tattoos so it wasn't a it wasn't like it was my my second tattoo or my first one and it was it is you know about the size of a cd case so it's, it's fairly yeah. hefty and I think at the time it was the biggest tattoo you'd ever done but yeah when like, I, I showed it to you and you went fucking hell I hammered that in didn't I <laughs> it's uh he's got like he's got a reverse image on the back of his calf yes. <laughs> but one thing that's like whenever that people say to me oh, what's your favorite tattoo i sometimes do go down to that and say like because it is oh. it is a, a symbol of something else other than just the bit of ink that i've got in my shin it's yeah. genuine yeah. Friend, it's friendship and love and all that sort of shite 
which I think I think makes it it makes it cooler than the rest of them. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, like that's that's an interesting point actually. The whole like sentimental value of tattoos because for me now a lot of the tattoos I get just because they're pretty artwork that I like. Like I go to the artist to do that piece of art. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, back in when I first started getting tattooed, I definitely felt that every tattoo I got had to have some kind of deep sentimental meaning to it. <laughs> now I look at them and I can't bloody remember half the <laughs> reasons why I got any of them done and I'm like well actually they're just pretty art it, it's fine like there's nothing wrong with just having you know nice art on your skin that you get to take to your grave brilliant the, we came full circle with Mick so I was able to tattoo Mick when we went back to work for like a month however long it was yeah. and um, I tattooed him and his girlfriend for the day and at the end of the day I was like come on then have a go so Mick tattooed me yes. never had on the shin as well. I've done it. Oh, <laughs> a little section yes. And then we had a bit of a joke about someone we worked with that we'll, we'll call the brick. And it's just become a long running joke. And uh, so t- Mick's tattooed the, the brick on me along with a little M for Mick. And um, then his girlfriend Danny did a little D. So nice. the, fir- the, first, the first line that I did, she said, um, have you, have you, do you want to try that again, but just put some ink in it this time? <laughs> Oh, because honestly, I was shitting myself because I, 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 I like I, I am I am uh, um, very. You have no idea joke. when you first start, do you? How no, happy I, to go in? I, I'm a self-taught yeah. tattoo. I'm a self-taught tattooist as well, Joe. So uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Then, same yeah. Um, same bracket, you and me. Yeah. So that's cool. But you know, I mean, like, like you said there about tattoos. Loads of people say to me, "What do tattoos mean?" And I've got loads of them, and some of them mean fuck all. Some of them mean stuff i don't want to talk about so basically if you ask anyone what a tattoo means it means they like tattoos so don't ask them yeah well (laughs) like a lot of the time people say to me like what do your tattoos mean and i often show them this one two-headed three-breasted one-legged pirate lady one one vagina i see (laughs) and i'm like i just thought it was cool yeah mate like that is literally what it comes down to is i thought it was a cool bit of artwork that's it so, so there you go i have to divert the conversation here because i when you posted about the podcast on your page thank you so much for promoting it's awesome but you said um tune in to hear about uh iggy pop arm wrestling my dad and robert smith boring my makeup so we have to discuss that now okay <laughs> yeah so um yeah well my dad is actually i'd say a lot fucking cooler than i am um, he's uh, he's a rock music journalist and has been for you know 30 40 years um, maybe even longer actually 70 odd now um, but he started off as the Beach Boys PR man um, because nobody else I think it was I can't remember who he was working for whoever the Beach Boys were signed with uh, nobody else wanted to take them on because they were like this this like perfect prissy pop band when everything else was like rock and Cool. you know a bit yeah. kind of cool nobody wanted them so dad was like fuck it i'll take them on so he got this he landed this random job as the beach boys pr man was he in la no no it, this was in the uk yeah i guess it's the the uk pr man i'd have to ask him more about that but um yeah so from that he obviously started making lots of connections with people and he started writing for all of the big music mags so like back in the day it was q mojo enemy uh blender heat even like even like smash hits and stuff 
Yeah. Album reviews and uh, gig reviews. And then from there, he ended up going on tours with with people to write about the tours. He did a big tour with The Cure in South America. Um, There's a brilliant picture of of them all sat on a wall with like a massive fucking pyramid behind them. Um, You know, my dad looking like this, like my dad's not a drinker or anything. So he'd go on these tours and just like stay sober while everyone else got pissed. Um, But through that, he became like, he'd probably say, you know, I I shouldn't, I wouldn't call Robert a friend, but like he became good friends with Robert Smith. Um, And so even down to the, down, down to the point that like when they had their big 40th Hyde Park thing Robert emailed dad and said I've put four like family pass all access tickets down for you so we all went along to Hyde Park and you know that kind of thing it sounds like your dad was in almost famous did he fall in love with Kate Hudson (laughs) yes yes my mum is Kate Hudson yeah yeah um so the uh the uh the lipstick Robert Smith wearing my lipstick thing was one day dad said to me um Robert has asked that um I don't drive to this they were meeting up for some reason or other I can't remember some interview or something Robert's asked that I don't drive so I can have a couple of beers with them can you drop me off at Simon Gallup the bassist's house which wasn't far from where I grew up so I drove my dad I think I must have been about 18 drove my dad to Simon Gallup's house um dad was like do you want to come in so went in and was like hi Simon I'm this awkward like (laughs) slightly gothy fan hi he was so lovely though honestly such a nice guy anyway so left him there drove back home was like that was a weird experience um went to bed and I think it was probably about two in the morning I might be mixing up times and stuff but it was early early morning um dad came home in a limo (laughs) with with the cure um and Robert needed the toilet so he came in and used our toilet and I I vaguely remember hearing like you know, people up and banging around. It's a big house, but he must have gone to the toilet, found one of my lipsticks, put it on, because he always wears lipstick anyway, put it on and kissed the mirror. Wow. <laughs> and when I woke up in the morning, there was this kiss print on the mirror. And I was like, what's that? And Dad was like, oh, it's probably Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I've never thrown this lipstick away. <laughs> and then my nan washed it off like three days later. She like cleaned oh the mirror, cleaned the bloody lipstick off. I was like, no, no. Put, that, put, put it in a little display case. Oh, yeah. oh my god! Did Pop you see that man. about this the other day? Did you see that video where this um, presenter was really excited about to interview Robert Robert Smith, and she was like, "Oh, it's so exciting! You're going to be inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame. Are you excited?" And he went, "Not as excited as you are." <laughs> Something like I that. love him so much. He's so. Yeah. Like he's such a sweet man, honestly. He's like the nicest, sweetest, and he doesn't like having like yeah, photos like the, taken the with fans and, like and stuff. I've, he doesn't like the attention at all. There's there's um, a few people like that, and I think when men do it, it's all right. But when women do it, they're difficult. Yeah, it does <laughs> seem know? to be that way, doesn't it? Like, oh, she's just yeah. a bit of a diva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Robert Smith can do it because because of. Yeah, you know, boys don't cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the bollocks. He's he's fine. He's funny. <laughs> but yeah, that that is that is such yeah. a, a class a class. Oh, there was res- there was one point in time where I had Robert Smith's mobile number on my phone because oh my, my dad has never had a mobile, and we were going to the Royal Albert Hall for like I think this might have been like the twenty five year anniversary or something like that. Um, but I'd had Robert Smith's phone number on my mobile, and I just kind of kept it as like a 
look what I've got. Obviously, I would never have dreamt of using it, but people would always be like, oh, that's bullshit. How are you going to prove that then? <laughs> and I was like, well, I can't really. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'll ring him. I've got a friend of mine who's, so again, sports, there's uh, a bloke who used to play, play uh, football for England called Peter Beardsley. And my, my mate's dad has his, what he calls car phone, saved into his phone and, and he goes i've got peter i've got peter beardsley's beardsley's number on it and he, so he's got a modern mobile shows me it, and it hasn't even got a seven in it so it was given to him about i would say 2000 and probably 20 years ago wow <laughs> he still got it he gave it to him and he's kept it too right as you should absolutely absolutely oh how cool to grow up with your with your dad your dad must just be an absolute wealth of music knowledge he's, he's like the i'd say he's probably one of the weirdest people in the in like the best way because like he journals and he's journaled since he was about 21 so he's got this like i think he's got about 30 a4 books and he's kept everything like every wow. big ticket every photo he's ever taken with anybody he's interviewed and they've all written in these diaries yeah. as well I mean, that's, like that's, paul that's... mccartney and the bgs oh. and that is incredible. you think like that's a sort of you know some people it's a podcast have, of its own that, yeah well fair. some people have their own some people have the odd museum exhibit in their possession that sounds like he's got a museum in his possession yeah you know? yeah he does almost, well, almost he... like a, a a chronological journey of rock music from whenever to, to now that's <laughs> yeah exactly well he actually does have officially the largest physical rock and pop database on record so he's wow. got this basement when whenever i say basement i'm like it sounds so creepy but people <laughs> like friends friends will come to visit and he's like come down and see my basement of weird stuff um but uh, you no. could say like i want to know what acdc was doing on this date and he'll be able to find like a magazine a newspaper cutting a book whatever like it's all chronological it's all just like it's he's a hoarder essentially yeah. he's an organized yeah. hoarder yeah. but there's lots of things like a, a, a hoarder uh, if you're hoarding cool stuff i don't think that counts as hoarding it's a collection it's a exactly. collection is he going to do anything with all of that I, are you going to do anything i'd really like to do something with the diaries because they're like they're just the kind of historical mm. um like not just i mean obviously there's a lot of shit about my family in there as well which no one's going right. to be interested right. about like not no one's going to want to hear about the first song I ever made up when I was four. Um, but just sell again today. It was so embarrassing in the middle of Sainsbury, in the middle of Safeway. Yeah. Um, what but, if the first you know, song but... that you ever made up when you were four was about someone called McGoggin? Oh my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you <Okay>. imagine? <laughs> I think it was actually about my dad's nose. And it went something along the lines of, I like daddy's nose, I like daddy's nose, something like that. But anyway, no one wants to hear about that shit, but they might want to hear about the time he arm wrestled Iggy Pop. Or Absolutely like, yes. But it's difficult because do you have to get, you know, do you have to go back and get every artist that's ever written in the book or he's written about a story about them? Do you have to go back and get them to like, yeah. okay, it being published? It's a tricky one and it could be really difficult, but... Yes, I'd like to sort that, but his database gets used all over the place because um, a lot of the stuff he's got, you can't find just by Googling it because it's it's hard copies, magazine articles that just haven't been scanned and saved, you know, but he's got them. I used to, he used to pay me, I think it was two quid an hour or something like that to go through all the local papers and cut out anything about anything musical. So... <laughs> 
and then I'd have to stick it on a bit of paper and write the date and the newspaper it came from. Yeah, and then we'd file them. So like child labour, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's your pocket money, isn't it? So, <laughs> so what, what's what's next for you? What, like uh, that question assumes that everything goes back to normal fairly fairly soon. What's 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 next for you? Um, well, at the moment, it's a little bit up in the air because I, um, I'm going to, sadly, I'm going to have to sell my 1620s haunted house. Hopefully I get to take the ghosts with me. Um, but it, piss it off before you come because they only, fo- they follow. It's just, just be really rude to it before you leave and it'll, it'll follow you yeah. wherever you go. Like, Goggin, you're a cunt. Yeah. I probably can't say cunt unless can I yes, leave uh, that out. We might have to delete that out if we want to carry on on uh, this podcast is available on Spotify okay. and Apple. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think the next year is going to be, for me, largely consumed with sorting out, selling and buying a new house. Um, but as I'm as I understand it, everyone in my studio is really happy and we all get along with such a little like weird little family. Um, everyone's really happy. I'm really happy. I don't want anything to change for the time being. Um, but if it ever comes up the shop below me do you remember at least it's got like two big windows either side it's kind of a 1930s like art deco-y front if that ever comes up oh yeah for rent because it's owned by the same landlord I'll take that on and potentially my dream I think would be to open that as a kind of dive bar um that's a good idea like in the evening, but daytime we could have it as a kind of shop and, you know, coffee shop or waiting area or whatever. Although I say coffee shop, but I wouldn't want to step on the toes of the amazing coffee shop opposite us called Frama. So maybe not coffee, um, oh, but okay. <laughs> a hangout, you know, a hangout space. Yeah. <laughs> you could um, decorate the walls with rock memorabilia. Oh my God, yes. There we like go. the hard rock cafe of Froome. Yeah. <laughs> you could call it soft rock. How did your dad arm wrestle Iggy Pop? I can't believe we've mentioned this and not not said it yet. Um, I feel like I've just I've just been like I'm not cool. My dad's cool. Let me talk about my dad. No, uh, which actually, to be I, fair, is quite often what happens because I'm like, cool dad. Do you want to hear about my cool dad? Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, Johnny Black. If you want to Google him, Johnny Black. Um, he yeah. So he was interviewing Iggy for. Do you remember a TV show called The Tube? Ancient yeah. ages and ages ago. Um, he was interviewing him for that um or, or possibly there to interview him for something else while he was doing something on the tube I can't really remember the details but Iggy had said to my dad that my dad had demons inside of him which like if you meet my dad <laughs> you'd be like you're the last person in the world that could possibly have demons inside of you but you know if Iggy thinks it then it's got to be true and he said to my dad um if we have an arm wrestle and I win the demons will be gone uh but if you win <laughs> they'll take over <laughs> So my dad being this like, you know, young rock journalist that was like, he's pretty weedy. He's not the strongest guy in the world. And Iggy's like basically a, a muscle, just one yeah. little muscle. Yeah. He was like, well, I'm probably not going to have to try much anyway. And Iggy will win either way. So he was like, you know, I didn't even have to do anything. And he just, he beat me and was like, yeah, cool, Johnny. The demons are gone. You're all right now. Do you think that was just a weird, is that not a weird macho thing? It's like, uh, I have to beat you in this arm wrestle, even though I know I can. I want to double make sure. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because I think Iggy Pop's like such a nice guy, isn't he? Such a lovely bloke. Seems But, way, yeah. you know, suspects that potentially he was on something and yeah. uh, maybe. Well, I mean, he's <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not like no slander here. <laughs> 
that his prime years were the acid years, weren't they? So when yeah, they it surely get it's got to affect affect you. Look at Ozzy. <laughs> like <laughs> of course, yeah. Maybe this or maybe he's just very intuitive and your dad is actually just one weedy demon. Well, there is that. Yeah, it, that's entirely possible. <laughs> I mean, like quite often mum will go to me like, I don't really understand like where you, where, like how you turned out the way you did. And my response to her is always, every summer we made horror movies with dad and every Halloween you threw Halloween parties where children went away crying because they were so scared. <laughs> Do you, like, really? Do you need to ask why I turned out the way I turned out? Where's the mystery here? Because it's, it's yeah, not. Exactly. Yeah, I think, I think in the village I grew up in, it was like a small kind of middle-class village. And I think we were basically the equivalent of the Adams family in that village. Love you so much. Well, we all just, all of us wear black. Well, not so much my brother now, but like my mum and dad are pretty much always in black. As am I. And our surname's black, so. Oh, and my mum's maiden name was White as well, so. That's great. (laughs) Oh, it has been so great to chat to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, that was great. And if uh, not that you will, but if you ever run out of guests, I'll happily come on and chat some more shit. Well, we've said it to we've said it to the everyone we've interviewed before that because everyone's going to be so up for doing anything when the world gets back to normal. So when we're allowed, we'd we would love to come to your shop, record one live. Oh please, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And, and, and get Kerry involved, crazy little Irish girl. Yeah, bring all, bring all your powers. We'll interview all of you. We'll do we'll do an episode about your shop. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love that. And it just means I get to squeeze Lucy again. Oh, I think download was the last time I saw you, wasn't it? I know. That's it. And I said to Mick actually, like, did you meet each other? But I think you had gone backstage actually by the time I'd met up with Nick. Oh, sorry. Such a rock star life I lead. Yeah. Is it just you shouting at the gate? My dad knows him out of off of the cure. Let me in. You know what if I thought that would work I'd bloody try it I would <laughs> I'd try it I'll be like I'm Joe Black don't you know who my dad is <laughs> no, I have actually no I'm not even gonna say that no. <laughs> <laughs> on that note <laughs> on that that was yeah. really cool thank you so much for your time really appreciate it really cool to thank get, you Mick thank you Lucy. That was, uh, we'll speak to you soon take care bye 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 <laughs>